Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We spoke with James Withell today, CEO of Rupert Resources there, TSX, the listed gold explorer with assets in Finland. We talked to him about their meteoric rise over the last three to four months in the marketplace, now an 800 million market cap company and where future growth comes from. If you want our view and opinion on that conversation and the company itself, you can get that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. You can also find company reports on their market commentary from experts from all around the world, training videos, uh, summaries of other interviews like this. And there's a thriving community of investors on there sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. And if you go there now, there's a seven day free trial. James, how are you doing, sir? Yeah, good, thanks. Good, good morning. Good morning. A fellow Brit, where are you? Uh, I'm just in southwest London, actually, area for servicing. So working from home, like many of us. Yeah, right. You've got quite the office set up there. And of course, what people don't know is that I used to live quite close to you. Um, we worked out just for this call. We, we, we know a few of the same uh, landmarks down your part of the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is my wife's office, so I'm invading her space. So, yeah. Wow, that's quite a setup. Well, look, um, thanks, thanks for joining us. It's the uh, first time we've spoken. We heard a little bit um, about the Rupert Resources story a few weeks ago when I chaired a panel um, that you guys were on. Uh, we were intrigued, and I'm really glad that you're on the show because. Since then, you've had quite an exceptional uh, set of drill results come out, which we're going to talk about later. But why don't we kick off first with that one-minute overview of Rupert Resources for people new to this story? Okay. Well, Rupert Resources, um, TSX-listed company. Our focus is northern Finland in a Lapland area. We have a project called Partavara. Uh, we're a gold exploration company for the most part. And, um, you know, the focus has all been about demonstrating the potential to find new discoveries in this region that's been very underexplored. Um, and um, yeah, our part of our project has a minor mill that's fully permitted. We haven't restarted it because at this time we see you know, we're, our strategy in a line is effectively that we're trying to demonstrate the geological and economic potential of the assets. Uh, and we saw the best opportunity to do that is to really focus on the exploration that you know, hadn't been done in this region. Brilliant, thanks James. Um, You've had quite a week of it, or quite a few uh, days of it. Uh, share price up over 800 million Canadian. That's a great day at the office, isn't it? <laughs> it's, look, it's, it's been fantastic to see people, you know, people understanding what we're doing and rewarding, obviously, us through the share price. Um, and I guess it's, for many people, it's very new to the story, but obviously I've been with the company now for three and a half years. And, you know, it's, it's not come about just by you know, luck through a few drill holes recently. It's been three years, uh, very systematic exploration, building up lots of knowledge um, and, and very patient shareholders that have been very supportive and put a, and have put a lot of money into this this company. Yeah, I bet you've got some delighted shareholders, certainly the ones that have been contacting yeah. us, that's for sure. Previous to May, you were about a fifth of the size. Um, you've shot up. Um, it now looks like I've kind of missed the boat. So I'd, if I'm a new investor looking in on this one, and I want your help to try and understand if that is the case, uh, or if I should continue to you know, consider Rupert Resources as an investment, which is going to give me that growth and return that I need as a new investor. So can you help me with that? Yeah, okay. So, so the, the, the approach you've been taking is, it's been very systematic, and it's obviously led to these, these initial discoveries. 
But I think it's important to understand that we're only very, very early on in this process. Um, we only started exploring, I guess, stepping back a bit. When I when I joined the company, they were doing some very good exploration at the mine. And you mentioned those really super high grade results that we have. So the part of our gold mine deposit was a was a very interesting deposit. I went to look at it as a fund manager um, when the owners or the Rupert, when I wasn't at Rupert Resources and the shareholders, many of whom I knew said, oh, would you come up and have a look at this? Um, so long background with them anyway. Uh, I guess it, you know, it's yielded some fantastic grades, you know, and I think we were putting those out last year and people were sort of interested, but, you know, there's always a lot of skepticism about expiration at a at a spot is a you know historic mine effectively uh, and you know it's it's had some previous owners it hasn't been run very well so i think there's that but i think but the important thing is that you know an issue maybe just stepping back a bit about the industry is that you know most time most of the time junior companies are in a hurry to be gold producers they feel that that's their need they want to be a, a say they're a gold producer and do that but that Often through doing that process, they forget that, you know, the best way to really make returns is to, to spend a lot of time really understanding the geology. And sometimes that just becomes like an engineering component, or we found a resource number of X, we're going to try and turn it into production. But, but you know, you know Rupert, the past of our project was a bit like that. You know, people had owned it and they had it as a bit of a project to make cash and short term. But no one had ever really looked at it, stepped back and said, What's the true potential? So we started doing that when I joined the, the company. Um, and, you know, just on the mine level, we took our drill hit rate from like 20% to last year being 80% hit rate, really fantastic grade. So we see good potential there. And we do still, you know, we own a, a mine that could go into production. So I think you know, people often forget about that today with the share price lift and the new discoveries, you know, uh, that we've been making beyond that. But but just staying with that, I mean, so that's one part of the business that I still see has phenomenal potential. And I think if you're following the region, we're going to see lots more people exploring. And, and we own one of two gold processes in France. Agnico has one and we have the other. So that has one bit of potential. So I think people should not forget about that and I think should look at that as you know, potential future value. But but on the exploration side, I said, we've only been doing this outside of the mine for 18 months. Um, and so... These are all grassroots discoveries. No one's found these, no one's explored these areas before. And if we can achieve that within 18 months, what we're doing now with the approach we've taken, and we've really only concentrated on maybe five kilometers of what we have on a 20 kilometer belt, you know, we're not suddenly, you know, we're not about to let up on that exploration, that new generation exploration. So over the next 12 months, you know, our, our aim for our geological team is to try and cover the rest of that 20 kilometers as a first pass. So whilst we've had made this Ickery discovery, which we're putting out these, you know, 100 plus meter intercepts, 150 meter intercepts up to four grams, um, you know, that's, you know, that's just one of six discoveries. And we're hoping to add to that portfolio of discoveries over the, over the next year. Okay, but you, help, help again. You, I'm trying to get to this point of wh where the the future growth is going to come from. Because you start off as a geologist, seven eight years as a geologist, and then you kind of moved into the finance side of things. Fund manager at Baker Steel, London, very well known uh, company in in London. You see both sides of it because you've talked about needing to systematically go through a methodical process to try and understand the ore body. What is it that you've got there? Most juniors don't have the time or money. 
to be able to do that. Okay. Do you think you've kind of passed that point of no return where actually the market's recognized you? You're, I guess you're going to be able to raise some very cheap money compared to where you were in, you know, April, May this year, um, given mm. your share price. So that, that's all good news. And your knowledge of what, as a fund manager, of what the market needs to see. Do you, do you, do you see those things are kind of a little bit more symbiotic in the sense that you can continue to deliver the way things are now? Or are there things that you as a fund manager, if your fund manager hat on, what would you be looking for from this company to ensure that there is future growth? Why shouldn't I be checking out now? Okay, so I guess we, the whole systematic approach to it, that's what leads you to make the discoveries in the first place. Uh, and so, you know, you take it from geophysics, all these background things that, you know, to, to actually get there. But really what you're doing in our approach has been to, you know, our, our shareholders prior to this year invested almost $35 million in this company over three years. So not many junior exploration companies have a budget of 10 to $15 million to spend on exploration per year. Now, as a fund manager, I always saw that as the biggest issue, really. Junior, you know, and sitting as a fund manager, you sit outside thinking, oh, you know, they're you know, half the money's gone in GNA and you're frustrated, they haven't done anything, they haven't achieved Well, that's because it's expensive, <laughs> you know. And so, and also, you know, there's two key principles that I've always thought about exploration. If you don't spend the, your, your, it's a very high risk sector, but if you don't spend the money, you're just increasing your risk because, you know, that you, you have to spend, spend a significant amount of money to discover mineral deposits. Um, and if you find a deposit of scale, when you look back on it through time, you'll find you only spent maybe 20 or $30 an ounce discovering it, and you'll have created this value of $300. You know, that, that's how you make your 10x return on exploration. But unless you're actually, you know, spending enough money at the beginning, you're never going to achieve, never going to find that big deposit that you were looking for to, to make you that return. So I guess that's, that's one uh, uh, sort of one element of it. And I think, you know, with us, you know, this year, I guess, we will continue to spend at a similar rate. I actually don't think we need to spend any more money than that. But but the but one of the key things to what are we actually trying to achieve by doing this, and what's the real upside? Um, we didn't set out to find another hundred thousand ounces to feed a mill at part of our for another two years. Our whole principle is that, and my principle on expiration is that you, if you're going to go into the expiration, you've got to look in areas which have the potential to yield large deposits. And we're talking sort of two, three, four million ounce size deposits, the kind of deposits that have, you know, 20 year lives to them, if they're producing at maybe 200,000 ounce a year. So the sort of assets that really are the, the bread and butter of your Agnico Eagles, your B2 Golds, your even ultimately your Barrett Golds, Mark always talks about tier one assets. You are looking to try and find those best possible assets. Um, and so they're rare, but you have to have an approach that you might find them find the belt and do that. And so our, our entire focus is, is doing that. And so everyone in the company is sort of has that same approach to it. So that's what we're trying to look for. And whilst we, and every time as we go through the process of looking at our discoveries, we're, we're from the very first two or three drill holes, we're deciding, you know, does this new target that we're drilling have the potential to yield that kind of return? So we might only drill you know, 10 holes, and then we might walk away, or we might drill five holes and walk away just because we don't think the system's big enough. But if we, you know, if we think something's good enough, 
we'll move it on. So you talked about how do you keep on adding value at this point in time then? Well, you keep on going through that process. So you don't just drill holes. You make sure you try and delineate size and scale as quickly as possible. You don't get caught drilling 10 meters apart from each drill hole, just trying to feed the market with drill results. You're just trying to quickly find out how big this could be. You do the metallurgy, you do the environmental work, you, you make sure all the, the that gets into the market as you do them. You know, is it easy to process? You know, what's the setting like? So, you know, technical investors can understand that, but also corporates that are looking at these as assets can understand that as well, which obviously has the potential to generate value too. So if I may, okay, I hear that a lot from a lot of juniors, the, the, the wishes and the hopes, and they understand the, yeah. the theory of how they do it, okay? Um, and you say you need a lot of money because it's expensive to drill the holes to give you the data that you need and, and, and to mm. deliver that process, right? So uh, what I'm trying to get at, and it gives me, because why I think it's important for me to understand this is because it gives me a view of what, how you're going to solve problems in the future to deliver this growth. So given that all junior explorers started where you did and wanted to achieve the same things, what exactly, what precisely were the conversations that you had to be able to get the funds in? Why do people believe you, you know, saying pretty much the same thing as other juniors do uh, to give you the capital to achieve the things that you've done? I think, um, I guess, simply about, I guess we're going back now, um, about a year and a half ago now, we're almost getting up to, you know, I sat down with the shareholders at that point. And, and so, you know, when I joined, I looked at what had been happening at the mine. I thought, you know, there's a great opportunity here at the mine and that will be something in the future. But we had, that was like one or two square kilometers of 325 square kilometers of land. And, and, and you know, the, the, the most exciting thing when I joined the company was that the previous operators, whilst they'd all focused on the mine, their geologists had actually put in place these licenses covering 20 kilometers of this belt based on just on geophysics. And so I guess this comes down to this whole point. I'd probably look to, you know, a thousand odd projects, hundreds of companies over the years. So you're always, you know, we didn't do a lot of exploration investing because the, the risk return profile is is quite frightening if you when you look at it. But you're always, we were technical, we were looking at great areas. So, okay, where would I want to put my money if it was mine investing? So every now and again, you'd see companies that held what we call sort of belt scale packages of the land that you thought would be really prospective. So that's when you'd do it and you'd support that exploration company over time. Rupert Resources had that and they'd acquired it for nothing at the bottom of the market, um, you know, $2 million or $2.5 million. Um, so they had all that in the company. Um, but they just so far only focused around the mine, just like the previous owners. So I guess I, I, I went to them and demonstrated financially what the potential returns could be, return profile could be if you started exploring beyond it and have success. And it's quite, I guess, if, if you take out all the glamour of the exploration, it's, it's actually quite simple maths about how you work out the sort of semi-returns. So you, you, you just, you just get to a point where, you know, it's about, it's going to cost you X amount of money to find a million ounce deposit. If you look historically at all the data, that's you can see, you can work out how much it's going to cost you. But you know we had distinct advantages at Rupert Resources. The previous owners had done exploration. Finland is a fantastic jurisdiction. The geophysics comes for free. So we had, let's say, 
in simple terms, some, it, it could cost you $80 million to find a $2 million ounce deposit. We already had $40 million, $40, $50 million of sunk cost that we, we got for free. So we weren't starting off with a typical junior with nothing, with a sort of dream and all that this looks quite interesting. So we had that, but I said, you know, but I knew that we could explore relatively efficiently. So I said, you know, I'd like you to give me 12 months to do regional exploration rather than spend any more money at the mine. Um, and it's going to cost X million dollars, actually $15 million. Um, so whilst they were nervous about it in terms of that, but, you know, we were able to put money in at regional valuation. Our market cap there was $100 million. So it wasn't that diluted to do that. Um, uh, and in the end, they said, OK, well, I'll give you half and then we'll see how you go in six months. And then we'll go on next. Uh, and so we, we started the process. We worked out a method that works best. Uh, to do the exploration, and with a very relatively short time frame, you know, we, we brought in some of the some very experienced people to help. You know, in terms of like to look over our shoulders that we know from the industry. So, you know, does this have the potential? Uh, and so, and so, relatively quickly from starting the region exploration, within six months, we'd started to get some interesting results, and that's it. And the proof of concept was coming, and actually. From that point on, we were able to then go and ultimately attract external capital and Magnico Eagle investing because they they saw that our approach was working quite quickly. Um, so I guess it's it, it's about you know focusing on what what could be the, the sort of exponential star returns that you can generate if you're successful, but also you know we were fortunate that we had. Um, strong supporters and also a capital structure that wasn't overly diluted in the first place. Our shareholders capital where we started out was like, I think um, it was in the order of like $60 million of money raised in the company historically. Group of Resources had about $30, $40 million raised before it went to Finland. So we, we had a good capital structure to do it in as well. So we could raise a small amount of money, prove the point, and then that gave people more conviction that the returns might be there, those exponential style returns. And then um, I guess I guess history has then, as I over the last twelve months, we've demonstrated that it, you know repeat that process, and, and it works. I can I can I like I like that. Um, I like the approach of demonstrating where value can be created. Again, when you, when you hear it from miners, explorers, you know, because some of the limitations around juniors are the fact that they have they they don't have all the personnel or all the skill sets that they need in house to be able to you know, d- deliver a project because money is a constraint. Um, you've kind of been crossing the the, this, the the bridge, as it were, between geo and institutional, you know, fund manager. Um, hmm. The way that you've analysed it, the way you've just described it to me there, I can, I can understand. I can understand where me as a shareholder could see some value as opposed to the hopes and dreams of someone wanting to drill holes and explore for the for the sheer fun of it because that's what they're into and I do have those conversations a lot um so you appreciate that talk to me about Finland though because 10 years or so ago I'm not sure Finland was that you know investable you know yeah you're a Canadian North American company in Finland there are a few more now but 10 years ago that was that was a very different environment I know because people used to come and ask me for money um these days it's better but it, it, there still seems to be this kind of unknown component to it. I mean, what's what's Finland like to do business? Is, is I know some pretty big names in there, but it all seems very quiet. I, I would, well, quiet is one way to put it, but at the same time, 
you know, the, the mining code is very straightforward. It's very, it, 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 it's, yeah, it is straightforward. It's, it's very easy to do. You do have issues and people say, oh, the licensing holding costs are quite high. And yes, it does cost a lot of money to own 300 square kilometers of ground, but there you go. And that's what's, you know, why you haven't heard about it. More juniors have been prevented because maybe, you know, paying 20 euros a hectare when you own huge tracts of land and our land bill might be a million Canadian a year right now um, is out of the realms of a typical junior company. So they all took small packets of land, the government, but the government has, a, has, you know, done a phenomenal amount of good geological work. So, you know, they've, you know, most of the large deposits in Finland, and Finland has some, you know, I could give you a list of about 10, you know, plus 2 billion NSR style projects that they've had over time, over the last 100 years. And some of them are obviously still still active, like the Ken Crow mine is, you know, still going. You have um, the Talvivara discovery, the nickel, you know, it's now a state-owned operation. Um, and then you have um, obviously things like Kvitsa up the road and, and Europe's largest gold mine, Kitzler up the road. So whilst whilst it's not active in the sort of Western Australian, maybe Canadian sense of things, that's actually a great advantage for, for me. I was like, it, I couldn't find, an, in some ways, a more sort of civilized, easy, easy place to work in the world um, because it's quite easy to do it. You know, the people are very honest. They're very technically very well educated. Um, so I guess, I, I do see the point that maybe it sailed under the radar, but then it only opened up to international exploration in 1995. So um, when they joined the EU. So in Sakati, the you know phenomenal discovery by Anglo-American was only made in 2009. So it's all relatively recent history. Um, but then again, things like Kitala Mine, Suracuzico was, uh, and part of our were discovered in the 80s by the Geological Survey. So you do, you know, you have a lot of information to go on. I, I often think about it, it's a bit like, you can compare it to those regions, like Abitibi or Western Australia. But it's like a hundred years ago in, in exploration time, you know, you haven't had lots of people exploring and doing work, apart from the government all that time. Um, and, um, and and with all respect to the, to the Finnish geological community, I mean, it's been driven mostly by academic and, and government work and less on commercial exploration, what I call, and what I've described, what we do is commercial exploration. Um, so that's what's changed. And actually, you know, look, it's in the time I've been there, you've gone from just having ourselves and Agnico and maybe Orion Resources, sort of the active, you know, gold explorers, to now having B2 Gold, Kinross in there, and you might have a stake in, in, in Mawson Resources. Um, so it, it, it has changed a lot in the last three years. I think you're going to, and with obviously with the discoveries of making us see that change a lot more. Um, but I, but I wanted to say a little, just a bit about the people because and, and how you run it, and, and probably this is a bit of a differentiator for us. I think it is um, we're we're almost entirely finished. I brought in a very um, I brought in Dr. Charlotte Seabrook is our exploration manager. She's moved to Finland, so all our people live there and they're in country. They live 25 minutes from work. Um, have, most of them have young families as well. So very stable workforce, but very well educated. But I'd say the big difference is to ask, how do we, how do we bridge that gap between other juniors, which have, you know, how do you make those discoveries? One of the things we're really focusing on is letting our geologists be geologists and not become data collectors. I think so, you know, we 
free them up. They've spent a long time trying to train to be geologists. They've got to use that geology to make discoveries, not just become glorified data collectors, which unfortunately happens everywhere. And then we do the finance and overlay from, well, I do that with my CFO from the UK. Yeah, I, th- I think that's an important point, as in, you know, the the success of exploration is what kind of drives that kind of blue sky thinking of investors. It's great. It's not just about con- continual, you know, data collection for the sake of data. But um, let me let me talk about where you're at, though. You, you've had a great four months of it. Okay, share prices up five times. Nothing to nothing uh, to argue about there. But with that comes a new set of problems for you. And this comes back to the question at the beginning, which is where is this future growth coming from? How do you deliver it? Where do you focus your time and money? And how do you piece all of this together so that the market understands what it is that you're trying to do? Because you've got this 10% Agnico Eagle shareholder here. People are looking, oh, is this a takeout target? Or are you looking to build this thing and develop this thing you know, for the next two or three years? I mean, what are, we, what are people buying into? Okay, um, I, I think we don't try and pigeonhole ourselves into a takeout or pure explorer doing that. What we're trying to do, you know, as I said, again, the strategy is to demonstrate the economic and geological potential of our assets. How do you do that in this business? You, you just keep on moving them forward. You know, we, we, um, as, we explore, as we find new things, we continue to assess whether they have the potential to be economic deposits. So I've, I've modeled hundreds of thousands of deposits. I could, you know, DCF models and, you know, we can, we do the, you know, the, the trade-off studies are constantly effectively going on continuously in our, in our heads. So we're evaluating, as I said, you know, what's the metallurgy like? What's the recoverability? Like? What could CapEx be? Where would you put waste dumps? So, you know, if you were to develop this kind of thing. So we're constantly, we're not sitting there waiting to do a study in the future. We're continuously evaluating from day one, sort of scoping these projects out as how they will look like. And how you'll see us develop the company going forward. And, and you know, we I said we're early days in the expiration. I think we've only put out 17 holes or 19 holes at Ikari. Um, We've drilled, you know, which is the order of like 8,000 meters. I mean, we, we can t- carry on drilling there, but I think we've only drilled regionally 25,000 meters all up, which is a small amount of drilling. So, you know, expect us to, we've got to continue to demonstrate the size and scale of that discovery. We're going to demonstrate the size and scale of our other discoveries and also be working on finding further new discoveries that we haven't yet made because we see that potential. Um, so, that's one way, but as we move, we will continue to move them all forward and develop them forward. And, and you can do this with a relatively small team and some good external consultants. As though, you know, I don't want to be a, an, an ever exploration, forever exploration company. I'm not sure that that's a great business model because our, our shareholders capital, the shares out will be in the hundreds and hundreds of millions before you know, just like many others. Our plan is that, you know, we, you know, we've been rewarded, and if people keep on demonstrating, we continue to demonstrate we've got very economic deposits. You know, the market will continue to reward us for that, and we'll be able to raise capital efficiently to to take the company to next the next stage. And if that's, you know, us developing them into production for sure, we already have one mine parts bar that could go back into production with very low capital. Um, you know, if if it's to develop a new company and bring it all production, you know, we can achieve that. And, and as long as you're daylighting the value, you'll be able to do that in a capital efficient manner. Um, um, if if someone 
you know, our, our aim is to find, you know, large, long life, you know, high quality, high returning assets, you know, with, by doing that, if we're very, very successful in that, someone may well come and knock on the door and say, actually, well, we probably, you know, we'll take this off you as well, but that's not, you know, that comes as a consequence of success rather than of, forcing that to happen. Right. So, so tell me this, you're a fund manager, you understand how to study the, the markets, you're going to have to have, with regards to these trade study, uh, these trade-off uh, studies that you do, as a fund manager, you must look forward at the market uh, place and say, well, what's going to be the best time for me to monetize this, right? Because uh, right now, there's a lot of what you've done, which the market's giving you credit for, and there's a lot of what the market's doing which you're getting credit for too, right? So, mm -hmm. and I don't know what that ratio is, okay? Because like I say, you, you, you've done 25,000 meters of, of drilling, but it's a very high gold environment. So how long do you think you're gonna be in a positive gold environment, um, you know, look, looking at the market going forward? And you know, when do you think you should start looking at maybe, maybe monetizing this? Um, that, that's, um that's, that, that's the one question that no one in the gold sector would like to feel that they don't know the answer to. Uh, and because the one thing we can't control is the gold price. Uh, and as a fund manager, as a fund manager, we just said the, the principle was that gold will outperform all other currencies because it's the best performing currency because it's, it is a currency rather than a commodity. Uh, and so, um, so if you, you have to continue to take that long-term view. So I guess we're not, the fact that the gold price has moved and people are looking at the sector certainly is no doubt about it that it's helped focus people's minds on this sector and also focus people's minds on the rarity of discovery and significant discoveries because they're then people start looking at the companies realize that they you know they don't have long reserve lives so they're going to need assets like like we hope to discover um so i think um our only i, I guess it's very particular, when do I monetize it? And I guess that, um, it, it's somewhat, you know, I guess we're looking to optimize the best possible value for it. So I guess if I looked at two ways, we, when we try and demonstrate, or we're trying the, or putting the news flow in the market to say, okay, we have this, we've already discovered this, but we think we might be have that again. We might have two X, you know, what else is there? And so we ha our job is to try and demonstrate what could be there as well as what is there in in a responsible manner. Uh, um, so that's how you do it. But also, I think the, the the other the thing you really have to do is to demonstrate the quality of what you have or the potential return on what you have. A lot of people discover ounces, um, gold ounces, or they make gold discoveries. You've seen many, many gold discoveries over the last you know, last 15, 20 years where I've been on this, on the buy side and in here. But many of them never came to production just because the quality was quite poor. There's plenty of gold in the world to be discovered. Most of it's just uneconomic. The difference between what we're doing and that is that it's all about the economics of it. So is the, can we find a deposit with better grade? Can we define a deposit with, you know, the recovery is 95%. So I'm constantly looking at what is the, or, you know, I guess maybe put my fund manager hat on it and do it that way. You know, the average gold deposit has a 10% return tax, uh, net profit after tax over over its life. Yeah. Um, 
which is pretty average for all the risk for a gold deposit. But the people, the companies who own the ones that make have a 25% after tax return, they're your leading gold companies in this industry. We are totally focused on finding those and demonstrating those because then the gold price is less relevant in the situation. Okay. Because the Okay, so if, if I may ask again, keep, keep, keep your fund manager hat on, please, because there's a saying that, uh, yeah. when when we're if institutional finance, which was you know take the money when it's there. Given where your share price is at, I know you raised 25 million bucks, or nearly 26 million bucks uh, Canadian towards the end of July. But given where your share price is at, shouldn't you take advantage of the market now and go and raise a bit more? I guess that that that. That's probably not not a bad suggestion in terms of like and that. I guess we don't need to, um, and I guess I'm a shareholder, so I'm like, well, I don't know whether do we actually need to, you know, issue any more shares. This, you know, I, I thought it, it, so it doesn't really matter how much. So, so the the maths is slightly different. The share price is one thing, but actually. If you look at a company's balance sheet, the amount of physical, the, the dollars that they raise still goes as shareholders' capital. You know, so if I go and raise another fifty million dollars, my shareholders' capital goes from hundred million dollars in the company to one hundred and fifty million dollars. My objective is to make as much a return on that hundred million dollars. You know, if I go take it up to one hundred and fifty, if I want to take, so these guys, are, you're investing in an exploration company, you want to make like a ten x return on the money that's gone in, in to the company. So if you start just saying, oh, well, I'll just take another 50 or $100 million out of the market, you've gone from maybe, you know, if it goes from, if you turn $100 million into a billion dollars, simple math, there's your 10x. If you suddenly just go and take another 50 or $100 million out of the market, you've got, you've just halved your return on the shareholders' capital. That's what's important. So I think we will, we will prudently raise capital when we need it. Uh, yeah. And when we did this last financing, the aim was to issue the minimum amount of shares for the maximum amount of funds in. And we have 30 odd million dollars today. We have Agnico with some warrants that are worth 11 and a half million a, a dollar, which have an accelerator in February 22. So as I said, I am not a company that's suddenly going to go and having you know, turn around to the market and say, I've got 10 rigs, because that's, to me, is a bit of a pointless exercise. You can't understand the data and make the interpretation as fast as 10 rigs can drill holes for you. We drill four or 5,000 meters a month. Uh, that is a challenge. You know, that's, that's a good level for our team to manage the data and make sensible geological decisions and move the company forward and make discoveries, you know. Having more money and spending it faster is not necessarily the route to success. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so what are you going to do with this money, this 30 million plus this 11 million, which comes down in a couple of years' time? As I mentioned, we have three rigs, three to four rigs at times. We're going to do some more underground drilling at, at the mine. So our spend rate is about one, one and a half million Canadian dollars a month. So um, we're comfortable with that and what we can achieve with that and what we can make on that. Um, so we will continue demonstrating said size and scale of the discoveries. We'll have one rig, we'll be moving one of the rigs to start doing new generation, we call it, work to find the next discoveries. Um, and we'll be drilling back at the mine over this winter because we 
we've talked about in presentations about having a new geological model and seeing upside there as well. So that's where we'll be progressive. But I'd like to think that in by this time next year, I mean, well, before this time next year, we'd be trying, we'd be demonstrating, you know, what are the potential resources for these new discoveries and, and going from our half a million ounce resource at the mine, um, which is still five times what we had when we bought it, um, to demonstrating the sort of global resource inventory for the company, which we think can be multiples of that. Right. Um, and then begin to demonstrate what is the best route to to unlocking the value of, in that discovery. Great. Okay. I understand that, that process. Um, can you talk to me about the mill? Um, it's huge. It, this is a big mill. Um, how... You're not going to get it up and running anytime soon. So what, what's the kind of cost of keeping that one in care and maintenance for now? Well, part of our is 1,400 tonnes a day, half a million tonnes a year. So it's, it's not so big, but it, it all depends on the grade you put in it to what you obviously, how much gold you produce at the back. Um, it, it's actually still permitted. It, it, it could be started up in very short order, the mill that we own. It's, um, and the, we talked, mentioned, so said, you know, if you're thinking about $20 million to restart the year's time that the time frame to do it um but it's about you know for us it's been again go to this point it's not about turning on a mine and producing gold bars it's about turning on a mine and making significant free cash flow and as as great a margin as you possibly can um on the ounces that you produce so we 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 want to do, we, we see, certainly we could do that and we could generate a good margin at today's gold price, but we want to do a bit more work demonstrating what is the, you know, a really robust, uh, you know, the highest possible return. And actually, you know, waiting a bit longer to make sure you optimise it, given the lives of these assets it, it, it is, is important. Okay. So you've got, a, you've got quite a large land package. You've got the mill which you can turn on at some point in the future yeah. when it's right for you guys. Um, any any more acquisitions in the offing? Are you picking up little land packages here and there to kind of fill in fill in some gaps? We opportunistic. Well, our land package at Partsbar is quite is quite contiguous along the belt. We have been we have been selectively picking up new reservation areas when they come available, where we see similar geological s- settings to this area one where we make all the discoveries. So we, where we see similar geological settings to that, we, we, we've been acquiring um, new property as it becomes available. Um, but um, we have a relatively strong portfolio. We, we joint ventured up. We have an asset in Red Lake, which you'll see we, we joint ventured that to a group called Trillium Goldmines. Um, they've got a great exploration plan for that. Um, so our focus is part of our on the project and unlocking that value. We have some assets in central Finland that we're also working on at an earlier stage. But we have we today again fund manager. I think we've got a good portfolio of assets. Would I want to take on a thing else? Not with the team that I have. I think that would be too much um, of a stretch. We, um, but we, it's about optimizing the value of what we already have. Um, but we, you know, we we look at things, but not really. We still think what we have. We're really just the early stages of understanding. Okay, you've got um, uh, Orient Resources quite close to you as well. Yeah. Do you ever have conversations with them? Yeah, well, the community all knows each other. Uh, and so we, um, everyone's sort of keeping an eye to some extent on what people are doing. Firefox is the other one that's there locally. And then you have Mawson Resources to the south. Uh, and S2 Resources has been working for many years uh, as well further up the belt. So 
Um, I actually think in country geologically there's good conversations. Um, but I, I guess for us, where I see, you know, if I if you really look for it and what's the opportunity. So we have this part of our mill um, that could become a central processing hub for, for discoveries by ourselves and others okay. in that region. Um, our new Ickery discoveries may well have this size and scale to have, you know, become a new production site, in a standalone production site. Um, but, um, you know, I think, I, I just let's see how the next few years goes and how it evolves and the success, exploration success. Okay, last question. So with three to four drills going, um, do you, how would you describe the kind of growth going forward? Is it kind of steady as she goes? Um, or are you putting the main sail up and you think that we could see meaningful growth coming over the next couple of months, a couple of years, I should say? I don't, yeah, as steady as she goes isn't good enough for me. I'm a bit, I'm not, I'm a bit more impatient than that. Uh, um, uh, that's not really, we, we, steady as she goes exploration it, it, it is a very expensive investment decision uh, uh, and usually pretty poor risk reward. So we're pretty much always got the, the main sail up and, and, and pushing on, uh, on ahead. Um, and um, yeah, just make sure you've got a very good crew in place to, to run the ship. Uh, um, but um, you know, it, you know, we'll, we'll be advancing this and you know, demonstrating more and more as what we, you know, the potential of the product. That's just, uh, in a very timely manner. Fantastic, um, James. Look, thanks very much for giving us that um, run through of the company. Perhaps next time you can come on and get into the um, assets themselves and give us a bit more detail yeah. on, on that. But I just wanted to understand a little bit about the way that you think, the way that you're approaching this, and of course, how you, know, how you see the market going forward. So I appreciate your time. Pick up the phone and let us know when there's uh, some good news ahead, please. Will do, will do. Well, thank you very much for the time. Much appreciated. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.